Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Production House, a CUTV podcast with your host, Kareen Joseph. And today, our special guest is Yasmin. Hi. So, Yasmin, um, tell us a bit about yourself. Uh, okay, uh, so pretty much I was uh, I'm born in Paris, uh, but raised mostly in uh, Canada. <laughs> uh, I guess I'm 26, and I, I, I like writing stuff and nerding out about stuff. And uh, yeah, that, that's pretty much my big thing. I've been around uh, in Montreal for the past year and a half now. It'll be actually, it, it's been a year, uh, I mean, the last couple of days, and uh, it's pretty cool. And CUTV has been one of the, my highlights of uh, moving from Montreal, so I find that pretty cool. So what would you say interested you in CUTV? Uh, it was just the need for community, the need to um, flex my creative skills. Um, I have an interest in working in media, so um, I know that Montreal has a thriving culture, especially in the French language, but I was sure that there was an English equivalent as well. So I was looking for any opportunities to, you know, uh, craft my skills and make some connections. And then CUTV was the first thing that popped up. I was like, awesome, let's go take a look. And um, yeah, I've been here ever since last year. Can you tell us um, about your most recent project? Or yeah, projects? of course. Uh, my most recent project uh, right now would be editing for uh, the... Uh, dance uh the hip-hop the urban festival queen's creation it's uh, a three-day dance event as part of under pressure an independent um urban arts festival and um i'm helping to uh touch on the final product uh, product with um agent links who is one of the co-organizers of the festival it's basically like a three-day festival uh, promoting women in urban arts, such as um, dance, mural painting, um, and art in general. So that's one of my uh, things that I'm really happy about. It's like a labor of love because it's about, about a year since we started it. But we're pretty much getting the finishing touches, and it's something that looks I, I find really good. Given your um, history with... Uh filmmaking because mm -hmm. I because I've seen I've seen some of the past projects that you've made I oh, know yeah. you did a uh, you did a concept video for to promote composting I I've did yeah um, I've, and I've also seen you 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 did um, a video for the peace walk that happened last year I did that too and actually I also saw the footage for the Queen's creations I event. did yeah yeah so so given all of that, so so I know you um, and we mm -hmm. also we uh, we were one together of, on a one uh, one of the uh, performance artists last year. Mm -hmm. um, we we did documentation for some of her performances. We did, yeah. So so uh, so so I I know you've been so you've done work both behind the camera yeah. and editing. Um, what would you say is your favorite part about the medium and what part brings you the most frustration? Uh, I mean, truth be told, I, I consider myself a storyteller first and foremost. So for me, it's always like I have something to say, whatever it is, it doesn't have to be deep or even anything, but I just want to get it out there. So it's like the, the frustra frustrating thing is really um, how to make it all come together so you can, you know, have the story that you have in your head come out exactly as it is. Um, I mean, editing, for the most part, I feel it's not as frustrating, but it's more like 
time-consuming, and it's always a learning process. But as, you know, you grow up and you juggle, you know, real-life responsibilities with creative pursuits, it's always trying to find the time to learn and um, make yourself better that I find a little bit frustrating. Because, like, truth be told, I, editing is actually pretty fun, but sometimes it does take a lot of hours because you have to start every time you edit. You're always learning something different, and that's kind of like, you know, it, it eats away at your time. And that's uh, that's kind of the slightly more frustrating parts. The the lack of time? Yeah, the lack of time. <laughs> if I had all the time in the world, well, that would be different. I mean, we all got the same 24 hours in the day, so what that can you do? That is true. Time management is <laughs> time management, something definitely. that I would like to learn, yeah. So what, what would you say, would you say, uh, given the the plethora of films and books and TV shows and works of literature that are available to us. Mm -hmm. Is there anything from those mediums that you take uh, inspiration from or that really strikes you that you that you like to apply into your own work? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, it's actually interesting you bring that up because uh, one of the people I follow on Twitter, his name is RJ Lackey. Uh, he's a writer for like web series and stuff. He's he's like the kind of person I want to be, like a prolific uh, writer. And um, he was actually asked what his uh, inspiration was for an application for what he was doing. And like when that it came up for me to think about that, it actually took me a while because it was like, wow, I have been watching and consuming so much media, especially in the last couple of years. I don't realize until now when you know, I want to be involved in that field that, like, there's so much I can draw from, draw from, especially in the last couple of years. But if I can be honest, since I've had a lot, like, a lot of time to really stew over, um, I mean, my first, my first thing will be, like, I mean, anime. Like, I grew up with that, um, and I've been influenced by, you know, it's mature storytelling, and it's not afraid to take punches. Right. So it's always feels like, watching and consuming Japanese manga and anime certainly has me, you know, kind of like, I feel like it has me a slightly leg up because, you know, how they write, how they produce content with their audience's mind is different than how Western audiences, um, you know, often produce content. Um, I mean, they both do it in different ways. They're both pros and cons. But for me, like, you know, watching, reading manga, watching anime, it was always like, it's a significant part of my influence and how I think um, and how I, uh, produce media, um, but more um, on a, on specific topics. Uh, specifically, if I can be honest, the show that most people probably don't think about is uh, Disney's um, Wizards of Waverly Place. Ah, it's been um, so long since I've seen that. Right? Uh, well, you missed out. First of all, um, like I actually had a couple years. Uh, I forgot. I'm 26 now. So, like in my late teens, I had I like to joke a couple of years of Arrested Development where there was <laughs> nothing good on TV. So I just started watching Disney reruns on. Um, in Canada, we don't like have the Disney Channel. We have what we call the Family Channel, which is a Toronto-based media company that pretty much has all the Disney shows. And then anyway, so I started just watching just Disney shows, Disney like between shows marketed for the kids. And it was actually pretty cute and pretty smart, especially for its growing age audience. And I, that was really the first show that was like, I want to write for that, for, for that company, uh, for that production company one day, if I could, because I want to make them laugh and I want to be able to reach an audience like, like they did. 
So I guess like specifically like Wizards of Waverly Place. And I guess, yeah, if I were to be more specific, um, Dragon Ball, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm lazy. <laughs> like it's it's uh, for for a lot of the '90s kids, Dragon Ball is a formative anime. So it was certainly a formative uh, piece of media in my work. Um, like I, I pretty much you know I, I that's that's what I swear by these days. I even have like a dragon like a Dragon Ball um, baseball jersey that is kind of vaguely featured on the uh, Peace Walk video because you know last day shoot last minute shoot but like um yeah like dragon ball is like one of my og pieces and more recently um as a carmilla of a supernatural um vlog series by the amazing people at toronto's um smoke bomb entertainment it's basically this mystery series revolving around uh laura hollis as she tried to you know, unravel this mystery around her university and she comes of age and you know it's pretty good it's won like two screen awards and it's really i felt changed the game for um how uh te- how media can be developed these days because everything is going through the web and carmela is really one of the shows that used um social media and you know interactive storytelling in a way that i had never seen before so it's a significant like um show that influenced at least you know how i want to write how i want my shows to be how would you say cutv has helped you in your own career oh um i mean i i don't think i i i'd enjoy montreal as much if it wasn't for cutv to be honest um i mean as i said i came here um you know just visiting family and stuff and i needed an outlet to be creative because I if I get a day job, it's not going to you know pay the bill. It's gonna pay the bills, but it's not gonna pay my peace of mind. So um, CUTV they help me by you know just the basics, networking, finding off you know, uh, fueling off ideas, and just reminding what I'm able to do. Like um, and actually they're not the first um, community based uh, resource I I'm familiar with. Um, a reason I actually came specifically to CUTV was because I lived in Calgary for a little bit, and that's like uh, Western Canada. Um, and while I was there, I had a similar organization of NUTV, which is New University Television from the University of Calgary. Again, they're also pretty amazing. And they actually helped me. They really also helped me to jumpstart my career and I actually wrote a bunch of scripts for them. And they helped me to get really involved. So I wanted to find that same sense of community when... I was around here, and I'm going to be here long term, so CUTV definitely um, is a significant factor with um, its resources and its networking and its community. I'd actually like to talk about NUTV sure. uh, a little later. Yeah. Um, the final, final question. Uh, what is one thing you hope to gain or feel like you have gained since joining CUTV? Um, what I'd like to gain is more experience not necessarily more experience, but like uh, it has been actually over a year since um, I've joined CUTV and I, I have learned so much and I just, what I'd like to gain is a sense of giving back because uh, the community has already given me so much in ways that they couldn't even think. Um, and I can't wait to eventually, you know, give back my time and make like more projects after I'm done with um, Queen's Creation. So. I feel like you guys have given me so much like experience, so much community, and I can't wait to give back and make my own stuff and uh, you know, plug uh, the the 
people to help me more. So that's great. Thanks. <laughs> so Yasmin, at this mm-hmm. time, I um, I'd like to open the floor okay. to uh, let you. Uh, we get to talk about whatever whatever we want. Okay. So I'd like to go back to NU TV. Yeah. So sure. for our um, our audience, mm-hmm. uh, one of the shows that. Uh, you introduced me uh, to. I, I'm, you're gonna have to help me out for yeah, a second. Yeah, I'm yeah. blanking on the name. It's it's the superhero show. Yeah, I mean the uh, good news is I'm just gonna make it easier for you. Uh, it's called Awake. Thank you. Uh, yes. You're welcome. Yeah. Awake. Mm-hmm. Um. So, so, so Yasmin, did you have any like direct like, at like. Any, like, were, did you work on that particular show? Uh, I did. Like, uh, if I can be honest, like, NUTV, like, as much as I as I love CUTV, the, the advantage of work, being at CUTV is they, in Montreal, has, like, a DIY aspect. So that is especially important to, like, CUTV because you have your equipment, you're in charge of your own projects. And, and UTV, uh, because it's more streamlined, like, how it actually works is... You come in, you have, at least when I worked, when I was uh, volunteering there, you have a more streamlined aspect. So every time you came in, you kind of felt you were into a, like a writer's room and you have, you have a production meeting and you have an idea of what was worked on. Um, when, I, I, when I started, when I got there, Awake was about, I think, at the end of season one. And it was the show that was like, okay, you guys look, you guys are a bit okay. But it's that show that made me want to actually, like, join in and be like, okay, I'll be a part of this community. So I actually wrote um, a, an episode for uh, season two, and um, it was really, like, one of my first experiences in, in like, a, what would technically be a writer's room in one of the big sets um, where, you know, you got together, you had an outline for a show, you... Um, had a deadline for writing it, and right. then you actually wrote your, you actually had your script, um, in front of the actors themselves. So um, I, I I liked that that participation and that co- consistency. Um, and then afterwards, I was also involved in another uh, series for a new TV called The Group, which is more of like a everyday drama about a bunch of a bunch of a group of students working on an assignment. And again, I had that that uh, I had like a, another experience in you know uh, networking, uh, building on deadlines, and it was just really fun. So I really felt like I learned a lot. So, uh, so going back to awake one more time, mm-hmm. uh, you okay? So you said you you wrote an episode for for season two, um, and. I had the opportunity to to watch mm-hmm. all the episodes, or at least all the episodes Prairie that Chicken, I think yeah. were were uh, within the series. Mm-hmm. So, so would you? So for for the audience, without spoiling anything, when you, obviously when you start a story, yeah. you have your initial protagonist. Yeah. But after a few a few episodes, um, the focus shifts from one character to another. Mm-hmm. So when that focus shifts to the other character, is that when the season two? kicks off no no so um awake uh, as, as a quick idea um uh, as a quick blurb uh, it's about a superhero series about a girl um who gets superpowers after you know staying awake for a couple of hours right so it's actually that same character just having a different adventure so season one really focused on like fighting some local villains and then season two focused on Awake herself as she deals with the consequences of getting 
these new powers and facing more internal crises. Um, so I guess you could say that the protagonist does shift, but it's not in the sense of it's still that same protagonist. It's just the conflicts have changed. So it's less of an external conflict and more of an internal conflict, especially in season two. So aside from the, the Queen's Creations video, yeah. you're also working on a screenplay. Um, it's um, about these two girls trying to make something of themselves. Uh, it's called Jeanne de Montréal. It's basically my, my, my pitch on um, the whole um, buddy comedy thing with a... Uh, uh, historical twist. Two girls trying to make something of themselves. Uh, one is, you know, from our time, 21st century. Her, The other just happens to be a 13th century, uh, you know, warrior maiden who saved France from the English. And, um, you know, they're just trying to make something of themselves um, and, you know, learn from life, friends, and somehow each other. Um, yeah, so it's currently, like, in in the pilot stages, and it's kind of like, being fleshed out and being redrafted and like it, it's it's coming up there. Can we say who the 13th century maiden is? is that it's a uh, it's no it's it's it's, it's uh, Joan of Arc. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. It's Joan of Arc. Um, or it's in English. It's Joan of Arc. Technically, the it's it's Jeanne d'Arc as she is technically called historically. The historical figure who saved France from the English in the Middle Ages. Um, the original concept was like. What if I had Brienne of Tarth from Game of Thrones, like, in the real world? What would that be like? And then, um, of course, punched in with, like, mixed in with mom was like, you need to work. You're not being productive enough. Um, I was like, okay, fine. I had uh, come up with the concept. I originally even called, I think, I Dream of Genie or something, or just something really silly or catchy. But it was like, yeah, you have this body dramedy about, you know, having to everyday situations with you know grumpy and perky so perky of course is like the a fish out of water blah 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 you know she's 500 years 519 years old we don't know why she's here but she's here <laughs> and then you know you rescued her so you have to take care of her <laughs> so it's yeah it, it's this it's it's Joan of Arc so it's it's Victoria or Vic as she likes to be called taking care of uh, Jeanne in modern day Montreal and trying to make something of themselves after their glory days. That's very interesting. <laughs> Thanks. I want to see that. It's, as I said, it's in the, it's in the pitching stage. It's in the writing stage. It's not even on the pitching stages. I would love to, to, to have it pitched around. But for now, I mean, that's the, that's the thing. I don't even know the con how it's going to come out because we, we did mention there are so many mediums for stories to be told. Right. Um, and sometimes you're, you you know you're at the stage of wanting to just get it out there um even like um a podcast uh that was called alex inc was adapted into tv uh very recently played by zach braff it wasn't renewed after a season spoiler um but it was still something that people like to try heck even um the x-men series uh logan of course which was you know wolverine everyone and one of the more popular characters also had a recent podcast um, diving into uh, his into you know his lore from um, I believe it's called uh, Wolverine the Long Night. Don't quote me on that, but basically look up X Men podcast. It's doing amazing. So it's like I'm always thinking about how I want the series to be released. I'm think I'm always you know 
you could go the classic way, or you can go. It might be released into uh, an audio series. I don't know, but it's 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 coming out. <laughs> I'm holding it. So we are both open about our love for anime, yeah. movies, and basically all things nerdy. That's right. And while we are not the only ones here at CUTV who are open about all things nerdy. We both love to talk about nerdy things quite frequently whenever we see each other here at the station. That is true, yeah. So, would you be down to talk about the most recent ner- nerdy thing we had to watch? Well, we didn't have to, but we chose to watch <laughs> last week. Yes, I would definitely be down. Okay, so for the audience, we watched the movie Solo, a Star Wars story. <laughs> so, let's start off... Um, uh, I'll give you like I'll give you like a hard question. Like, oh would you, is this is this is would you say Solo is the movie that you would um that you would tell a friend to go out and see? Um, I mean, I mean, truth be told, most of my friends are pretty iffy about the new trilogy right now. Anyway, so um, I mean, Solo, I'm gonna say. Maybe, maybe. It depends. Expectations are pretty low. Like, um, if you care about Han Solo, uh, you can go and check it out. It's it's an okay movie. Um, like, as I said, like my person, my actual interest in watching the movie was because I heard it wasn't doing very well, and I wanted to know why. Um, and then I watched it, and I kind of see why. But you know, every movie. Um, every piece of film has different expectations to everyone that's watching it. Um, mine weren't, it, like, when I was watching it directly, I had vacillating feelings. Um, and there are many outlets, you know, having their own opinions and having their own takes on it. And, you know, they're still valid. But, like, overall, would I spend 13 dollars for Solo? No. <laughs> But I don't regret trying it. I don't regret going to see it. Wow, that was that was the most <laughs> spoiler-free review I have ever heard. I tried, uh, but I'm gonna spo- I'm gonna spoil a few things. Okay. So, so for the audience, if you don't want to be spoiled, like skip ahead in the in the podcast. Yep. <laughs> so, so for me, when I when I when I come into a story, whether or not the characters have been previously established, mm-hmm. or if it's a you know you have to. Uh, lay the foundation from the ground up. There is one particular thing that I specifically need to make a story feel complete. Mm-hmm. And that's basically, um, I believe it's called Chekhov's Gun. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. The ch- uh, check, well, I guess Chekhov's Gun or Chekhoving. Like, uh, TV Tropes basically has an entire section on Chekhoving, but it's, yeah, it's set up and payoff. Yeah, it, it's, it, you, you set something up in the first act and it pays off in, in the second act. So, for those that have seen Solo, or for those that don't care for spoilers, um, I would say in the second scene of the film, which is where Solo and the love interest character, they've, at this at this point, they've, air quote, escaped yeah. the their pursuers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In and, the, in the base, yeah. And, they're, and they're just about to, like, you know, they're about to like be home free, mm-hmm. and the love interest gets captured, and Solo has to yeah. move off on on his own, mm-hmm. and right and so right after that he he decides to join the, the Imperial Navy, the, the yeah. Imperial Navy to become a pilot. <laughs> Everyone is uh, the internet is like it's just like um, 
eye rolling at that scene because they're like, really? That's how he's got his last name? Really? <laughs> well, th- that's not the part that I had issue with because that was meant to be a setup. But here, but here's here's but here's the thing, there is no there's no payoff for that yeah. because two things happen mm-hmm. that that there are two two thing two things happen well there's one thing that happens that makes the quote unquote payoff fall flat mm-hmm. and that's as soon as that scene's over and he goes to his quote unquote first day of training we cut to three years later yeah like I mean truth be told um the the setup was like I want to be a pilot blah 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 that wasn't the issue where I had um it was more of like the setup for like I guess what they were trying to do is cause in the original trilogy um, Han, like, you know, the character of Han is a smuggler, a rogue, blah, 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 blah. And Harrison Ford is amazing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, um, Alden, I apologize if I say his name wrong, uh, Mr. Eidenreich, um, you know, had a job. Actors have a job, and they, most of the time, it's they, they do it well if they're directed to do well. I never actually blame the actors. So I'm just mentioning that, like, you know, he had a job, he did it fine. Um, but the fact that, yeah, we kind of see him cut off three years later, I don't think, like, the war scene did not add anything, I guess, other than introducing the smugglers, the Tobias Beckett and company. So I found that scene to be quite interesting, especially because the, the commanding officer of, Han's team mm-hmm. uh, is like there's like this like they're all being like fired upon and and the captain's like everyone follow me and and he gets blown up like he gets oh, he, yeah, he, he yeah. gets blown. and I and, and then the, and then the and then this other character who ends up being what the the leader of the smugglers that we yeah, are introduced to later bracket, yeah that who were introduced to later he he asked the question who's the commanding officer here and and one of the guys says you sir and the camera pans down to his like to his like <laughs> number of uh the uh is our imperial number yeah like Insignia? yeah and and it's meant to be like oh okay it's meant to be like there for a cheap laugh it's like oh okay yeah he's the he's the one in charge <laughs> but you see, that, that, that's not what my my issue was. The real issue that I, that I take where, where the setup falls flat with Han going to the... joining the, the Imperial Army is later on in the movie when they have to do the... What, what what's the uh the the move that the castle run the castle run yes mm-hmm. so 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 Han and company they have to do the castle run mm-hmm. for the record I thought that scene was awesome it was but right before they 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 try to leave the planet for the first time you have a giant star destroyer in front of the main entrance and he, and Han says and I might be misquoting here it's been, it's been about a week since I've seen the film. Uh, oh, I've been with with these guys. They're not gonna chase after a like a little like like a tiny ship with with uh, the unrefined materials. Mm-hmm. And the exact opposite happens. <laughs> they, they, you know, they do send out a bunch of ships yeah. to to go after to go after them. And and the reason why it fails is because one, it would have been so much more stronger if we did see Han actually. In training, 
Like if we if we actually saw him disobey orders and get yeah, kicked out. Yeah, that's true. I never felt that Han was actually. If I can be honest, like um, Eidenreich Han was very. He was never really roguish or not roguish, but in the sense of. He, I mean, he he says that he's a bad person, but I never felt him doing anything specifically like bad in this movie. Like, right? He was like he was kind of a puppy soft. Like, I mean, truth be told, he kind of when we meet Tobias, um, played by Woody Harrelson and company, um, he pretty much offers his services. Like, and then for some reason, he like he he literally like be- begs them to join his team. Like. And then they reject him, and they actually kind of sell him off. They, they sell him out. Right. So I'm like, okay, why would you do that? Like, in the sense of, okay, like, they're duplicitous, but why are you still so adamant on joining them? And that was kind of, eh. I th- um, to, to, uh, I'm going to play a bit of devil's advocate for a mm-hmm. moment. Um, back in the earlier scene where Han does choose to join the Imperial Army, um, if there's any re- redeeming quality, I would say he did that out of a uh, sense of uh, self-preservation oh, because of there because there were people because there were people after him. He needed a way to get out of here, out of the get off the planet as fast oh, as possible. Course. That's um, and that was to me the most efficient way to go about it. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, actually. That is interesting. Did they mention that, like, Han was, like... I knew they mentioned it, but, like, it was never really brought upon. I don't know. It was, like, um... Because my, my memory is a bit hazy. A week, a week away, I was just so, like... Uh, the Like, the first five minutes still kind of, like... The first words that came out of her mouth, I was like, wait, why? What? It sounds exactly like someone trying to sound like Han and then eventually I got comfortable with it I I got okay with it Um, but a lot of the setups were kind of like are they gonna pay off okay like are Han and um, Kira gonna escape yes Um, and this is how throwback like the the setup actually of the the first setup when they're escaping and then he does the thing it fails at first. Oh, so for the audience, uh, uh, Han, he, 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 he has... He tries the, to escape. Yeah, but I'm trying to explain, like, what he does. He, the... He pivots? Ha- yeah, the, the shuttle craft that yeah. they're in pivots to a, a 45-degree angle? Yeah, something like he, like... And the funny thing is, the, the, that is a successful payoff because they actually end up doing that in Again. the... Again. In the mall. Um, which is the space thing when they're stuck, like the space whirlpool thing and the giant monster thing, the Millennium Falcon. Oh, like, right. He ends up, like, that was a smart setup because it's like, oh, wait, he didn't do it the first time, but he did it the second time when his ass was on the line. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it's, it's like, I don't know. It's like, I don't have good memories about this film. It's like, <laughs> what is happening all at the same time? Why is everybody dying? Like, the setup and payoff is like, why did you set up these characters? Like, personally, the war scene, I wouldn't have included that. Like... The war scene? The the it scene is... where we meet the smugglers and everybody. I ah, would have preferred right. the meeting if if maybe if it was possible. Okay, Han's being insubordinate. Send him off to uh, the ice thing or whatever. Oh, yeah, the ice planet. Exactly. As Judy. Okay, then have a scene that, like... 
okay. Uh, he's a grumpy little, like, show his um, insubordination. That's never really shown. Right. Um, so then he's like, okay, um, he's been bored for a couple of years. Um, he's just frustrated. I mean, it's been three years. It's been three years of, you know, trying to do it, but he doesn't. So then something is out of the, you know, something's weird. Like, okay, he's stuck on duty, like, looking over this castle or whatever. And then suddenly he's, like, he sees the uh, infest nests and the smugglers trying to sp- stop the thing. And then he could stop them or he could join them. And that's when you say he could join them. Like, I would have think that was a stronger scene instead of having the scene when he meets. And I guess, but then the Chewbacca scene would have never happened, which I'm guessing that's why they had it. True. I actually thought it was, I thought it was interesting. The, Like, I thought it was interesting the way they showed Han and Chewbacca meeting. Yeah, yeah, but that at was the, pretty cool. But at the same time, one thing I noticed, there, there are two things that I noticed mm-hmm. about the original trilogy and, and the newer oh, yeah. films uh-huh. is that the way a lot of these characters are introduced mm-hmm. and shown, it's like... Yeah, you can tell that, especially especially if two characters are really good friends, mm-hmm. like Han and, was it Han? It was probably Lando. Lando, yeah, Han and Lando. Lando. I think they mentioned how they how they met, um, that, well, how they knew each other in episode five, but it was the, the kind of thing where it's like, I believe it to the point where I don't feel the need to see them actually meet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I guess that's kind of why it's solo. Like, I felt that was fine. Um, like, Han, Han and Londo, yeah, they had the Sarlacc thing, and it was that was okay. That was like it was it was meant for it. Um, but for me, it was kind of the weird little like, don't set up characters if you're gonna kill them off. Like, you killed off Tobias and Tobias's crew with just literally the blink of an eye. We don't know who they are. We know who they are. I don't even know Thandie Newton's name in the movie. Why did she blow herself up? Why did he... Like, the setup of, like, it's bad to die alone, kid, which is the, which is the, you know, the, one of the alien characters is about to die. Right. It sounds like, oh, wait, is this emotional setup? As if, is this going... And then it, no, like, Han doesn't have a reminder of, like, he's going to die alone or something. It's no, that didn't happen. Even though he did die in episode seven. Yeah, but <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's meant to be like, and oh, a premonition of yeah, what's gonna no, happen. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I guess it's it's technically different because, and yeah, we can't retcon that much. And then yeah, no, like I, overall, I really felt that the movie was like, it. Uh, there were a lot of moments that were like. They were really trying to ha- tell us that you're watching a Star Wars movie because there was the um, audio, uh, there was the score that was like, ah! like uh, especially like, you know, the Kessel Run. The, ah! And I was like, okay, I know I'm watching a Star Wars movie. Thank you for reminding me. Ugh. And um, yeah, again, a lot of the setups and payoffs were like, what? Why did you say this? Why is he saying this? And nothing comes out of it. Why? What? <laughs> and then Han, um, and then um, there was Kira. Um, like, there are things, at least impressions, about how the movie treat like with some of its characters and what they could say. Like, whenever you watch a piece of media, as I'm trying to grow up and be more like you know, 
conscious and be more like attentive and a piece of media is essentially like a movie or a book or radio or whatever is still a piece of media and how you interact with it depends on you know your particular perspectives so sometimes two people can watch the same thing and have two different interpretations of it and it's completely valid um and sometimes uh when i was watching uh solo i had particular inter uh, particular inclinations about how they you know how they interpreted cer certain characters and kira was like i dismissed her at first because that's what the movie did for me um yeah i actually thought it was going to be like a a cliche where mm -hmm. it's like you introduce like, a, a female lead that you know isn't present in future install or in, in future installments. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking, okay, she's probably gonna die in like yeah, the first five minutes. And truth be told, the reunion scene that didn't that I felt that didn't make any sense. Like the the reunion scene was too early. I was like, um, so let's just literally set this up as a chronologically speaking. Chronologically, it's three years later. That's right. fine. Movie-wise, it's technically... Like 15 minutes. <laughs> like, there's just like... And then Tobias, of course, is like, don't talk to anybody. And so then you suddenly have like a hot. I'm like, we weren't expecting... It was like, wait, what? It's too soon. Yes. Actually, that, that brings up another thing that... Um... The pacing is kind of oh, like... Oh, yeah, that's the other thing I, I wanted to bring up was the pacing. And it's not just this film specifically, but mm -hmm. because we're talking about this film, I will use Solo as an example. I've noticed lately, um, and uh, yeah, I've noticed lately with more modern films is that the pacing is a lot faster than Oof. than older films, mm -hmm. it, like in, generally speaking. Mm -hmm. But like, but as, especially with Solo, I found it to be extremely fast. In fact, I consider the first... Uh, major scene that happened, like the escape scene, mm -hmm. it reminded me of the opening scene in The Last Jedi. No, and I'm not, and for the audience, I'm not comparing like the events. I'm comparing the the speed in which things happen. Mm -hmm. uh, when I saw The Last Jedi, I told I told a friend who like we like he took me out just to see the film mm -hmm. in theaters, and what I told him was the the opening scene felt like the ending scene to a film it's like uh, like normal in, in most movies in most action movies mm -hmm. it starts off kind of slow and then you build up to yeah. the climax and the climax is really intense whereas with the last jedi the first scene is it feels very intense it feels mm -hmm. like the final fight and it's like whoa we get that first first off the bat and that's kind of how solo it, it kind of felt to me it's like i mean obviously not the very first scene is not like that but mm -hmm. the first escape scene in combination with the pacing the camera um the and the music it felt like oh this is like the final escape like we're, like we got to get off this planet before it explodes or something yeah that's what it felt like it felt like we're getting all this action and then we kind of we kind of drop it Kind of, sort of, like yeah, we we, drop we, it. we 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 drop it, but not in a way that allows the characters to grow. It's like we keep moving, like events yep. keep happening, yep. but the characters don't. It doesn't feel like they change. Yep, it's like I mean, truth be told, this Han Solo change not really. Let's be honest with ourselves. 
like there is the scene in the desert after the Kessel Run um, that they're like, um, you know, they talk about who they are and stuff. But it's like, I've never, I haven't seen Han different from, like, he hasn't changed specifically other than, you know, but he's not grittier or anything. He's not like, I mean, I guess he's he's changed slightly at the end of the movie, but like when they have a moment that's like I'm a rogue, I'm a rebel or whatever, I'm never. It's like we've never seen that, so I can't I can't actually say that you've done bad things, uh, like you know to earn that title. Yeah, he doesn't really come off as being a anti-hero. Whereas where Kira, you can actually see that, yeah, oh my gosh, she actually did change. At least the good news of the screen time is, um, even though it's literally 15 minutes cinema time, in three years, you can see, uh, even though, again, I would, what I would do personally is I would move that, I would move that reunion scene to later because it just doesn't cut off. And then because their dynamic sort of changes because she's different now. Yeah. And it it's kind of like, oh my god, they're buddy buddy all of a sudden. And well, then of I course mean, like, she has they to They were Well, actually no, cuz like you, you see them f- together fairly early on and 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 I part of me wants to be like, okay, are they romantically involved? Yeah, I, they I, kiss. Yeah, but at the but at the same time they're in the beginning of the movie, it was so short to me that I felt like I couldn't really establish because yeah. they get separated so fast. Mm-hmm. And it's like I can't, I can't firmly establish whether or not they're really good friends or lovers. They could have been, yeah, but. Um... And then when we cut to the three years later, I it's like yeah, you can tell that their dynamic has changed because before, uh, Han was the one leading her. Uh, he was, you know, he was the one to saying, "Okay, this is what the plan is. This is what we're gonna do." Whereas when we see her later, uh, she's working for this other guy, and Dawson, she, right. she's a, a general. At she's that a lieutenant, yeah. yeah. And so she, so she has knowledge, and she, and the, and because she has a boss, there are expectations. She had there are Mostly, expectations you know, her placed upon her. her. Mm-hmm. Well, that too, but there are expectations <laughs> placed upon her upon her. In order, in in order uh, of how that knowledge is to be used, so she needs to be aware of like these different things that are happening in the galaxy. Mm-hmm. For example, when they do the when they do the Kessel Run, uh, she knows that you ha- like the unrefined materials that they that they need to get because mm-hmm. Han brings it up. But she's like, okay, you know, it, it, you can get it in this one place, but you have to refine it really fast. Uh, so I thought it was interesting how her character had to be more knowledgeable than him. Mm-hmm. Uh, for well, one because because they're close, you know, to keep him alive, and two, it it does show character growth. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, specifically as I said, the reunion scene, especially with the rest of their dynamics, since they had to have kind of like, wait a second, you're not the person I remember. I would have preferred the reunion scene cut because she is essentially you're right. She's a different person. And that dynamic is like, oh, wait, it's it's hot and cold. It doesn't make sense when they're suddenly friendly. But, like, I, I would have preferred if actually that scene was cut altogether. It would have been, like, a surprise. Maybe he could have found her and so she could have found him. Because then I kind of realized she found him. Their dynamic was, like, friendly. Then, of course, the real, the truth of the matter is she is not the same person. And their dynamic changes and it's hot and cold. 
but that hot and cold doesn't literally make sense be- after that weird re- that weird dynamic because it's like, oh, we're friendly. Now we're not. And it's as if we don't, like, know that. Blech. So that was like... I, I don't know you anymore! Yeah, I would have, like, cut that off and being like, okay, so you're... So since you are different, okay, I'll accept it. And then you try... I would have preferred trying to fight to reclaim their dynamic as opposed to her finding... Being suddenly friendly all of a sudden. Like... That is actually kind of weird, to be honest. Or at the very least, if they actually did have to end up fighting each other, and like, like if there was like an actual, but then if there was like an actual betrayal, like between that 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 was implied that directly that was direct, because I feel like if there like if she ended up betraying him, then I feel like that would have. Did not well, really. I mean, she did, but not directly. Yeah. I wouldn't say there was a direct betrayal. There, like there, there is no clear evidence, at least from Han's perspective, that she has done anything wrong. That is because he true, hasn't yeah. witnessed anything. But what I would say, if they actually had to fight each other, that that would have done two things. It would have opened. I feel like it would have opened his eyes, or at least his eyes and the audience's eyes, to the to the grittiness of the world that people are Although willing to foreshadowing change. foreshadowing is... Well, that's the thing. We as the audience actually know we have an idea because Amelia Clark is amazing, but they give her space to be like, mm, something's up. And mostly, you know, not everyone is branded. Yes. So <laughs> that, we know she's different. That and also, um, I feel like that would have added to Han's grittiness later on in his life. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, but he wasn't because really he comes gritty. off pretty gritty when when in episode four and five, but um, I feel like if that's true I, that I, the grittiness I, is never again. He's not like, I mean, he he comes off as vulnerable. If I that's how I felt for him throughout the movie. Like he's like really weirdly desperate when he in in the. Uh, uh, three years later thing and then he but he's never like you know standoffish or he he's never he never develops like thick skin like I don't know it's like he's still soft and stuff like towards the rest of the movie yeah I don't know it's just like he wants to be gritty but he's not it's never shown that he's gritty right. so <laughs> So yeah, that's uh, anything else about Solo you wanna um, you wanna rant on? Because I think L3. I've read L three the the cyborg. Yeah, what about L three? Um, and actually, I did look into it a bit more. She had she. It seems like her direction in the movie anyway was more of like a last minute issue, which I'm not annoyed with. I'm annoyed with. I liked her at first, and then I vacillated because I felt the movie kind of like was using her to. Like you know, give its opinion on um, issues of independence and empowerment and stuff, and then how she died was actually kind of screwed up because she ins- basically she instigates an insurrection, she creates an insurrection, and uh, loses her life in that insurrection. So sometimes I interpreted that scene and be like, oh wait a second, did she? It's like oh, it's your fault. You 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 pay the price for uh, independence. So haha. <laughs> So I kind of felt that's kind of how they were treating her. But again, it's my interpretation. Um, yeah. And not to mention, while I'm talking about Phoebe Waller-Bridge, 
I gotta watch Killing Eve. Killing Eve sounds like an amazing show. It's BBC America about a cat and mouse game between a um, sociopath uh, serial killer and her, the detective or the forensic investigator who's like fascinated by her. So it's on my feed. I'm gonna go take a look. And then Phoebe Waller-Bridge is like creating the show, and it's some, it looks really good. <laughs> well. Um... Yasmin, yep. thank you so much for coming on and uh, nerding out with me about oh, Star Wars. And thank you for having me on the show. Um, so if you like this episode and you'd like to hear more, you can follow me on, on my YouTube channel uh, and on Twitter and Instagram. You can also follow the, CU, the CUTV Facebook and Instagram. And Yasmin, do you have any particular social media you'd like to um, shout out? I do not yet i guess if you're on twitter you can follow me at suzanne helen james um i'm on instagram as cute little spaz um but i guess like for for, for right now none of those really just yeah follow corinne and cutv follow them. <laughs> so again uh yeah yasmin thank you so much of course thank you for inviting me i'm happy to be here Okay, guys, see you next time. Bye. Bye.